listening to the Dearest Doula podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Signs, and this is Season 2, Episode 7. excited to reintroduce you to today's guest. We do have a repeat guest here on the show. She has been in private practice since 1999, offering Oha Shiatsu bodywork and Asian medicine based on the five element theory. She specializes in birth, fear, and trauma, fertility, pregnancy, postpartum, and menopause. She's also the president and founder of Birth Link, which offers childbirth and family wellness in the Chicago area and beyond. Ladies and gentlemen, it's my pleasure to welcome back to the show, Miss Joanne Lindbergh. How are you today, Joanne? I'm great. How are you doing? Great. Thank you so much for coming back on. Now, I've given our listeners a really brief overview, but just in case they haven't heard our previous interview, why don't you take a minute to tell us just a little more about yourself? Sure. Um, Since uh, um, basically 1996, I started... uh, Birthlink is a network of resources so that parents could find them more easily, especially as you know, doulas in the beginning before the internet were not really easy to find. Right. <laughs> um, so, um, and also midwives are still not easy to find. And um, those were the two primary things that I really wanted people to be able to, to utilize this, those services. And I just started gathering um names and information through actually a print ad in a local parenting magazine and it took off from there and it's been going now in june it'll be our 20th uh anniversary so pretty excited about that oh that is it's very exciting congratulations on that and that's such a great thing that you're doing for that local community there Um, So we've had a chance to get to know you just a little bit, and listeners, if you haven't already checked out Joanne's episode on the history and benefits of shiatsu, I highly encourage you to do so after listening to our birth worker feature today. Um, And before we dive into your origin story and all of that good stuff, what I like to do at the beginning is really challenge my guests to share the short and sweet of what it is that they offer to the birth worker world. So Joanne, let's say you're at a networking party and someone turns to you and says, so what do you do? How do you explain that in around 10 seconds or less? Well, I tell them I'm a birth advocate, that I uh, believe strongly in um, the values and um, the practices of the midwifery model. And that means um, basically undisturbed birth, um, immediate infant bonding, and um, long-term breastfeeding and attachment parenting in a nutshell. Uh, so we promote all those things and the members of our network also are supposed to be believing in and, and promoting those things as well. Oh, that was awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing that with us. And what I'd like to do next is touch in on your origin story. Now here on the show, we have created the Dearest Doula podcast to educate and empower those new and prospective birth workers. Something that I was really inspired by in my beginnings was getting to hear 
what inspired other people into following birth work. So what I'd like to have you do is take us back to that moment in time when that inspiration first struck. And if you also wouldn't mind touching on what you were doing prior to becoming a birth worker, and if you had to take any special circumstances or do anything in particular to make birth work possible in your life, we'd love to hear what that transition was like too. Oh oh my gosh, that's a, that's a lot. (laughs) So (laughs) let me see if I can remember everything. Um, so of course, you know, I personally had home birth with, with my children and those experiences were the most incredible, empowering and amazing experiences of my life. And I would say even to date, um, I'm about to turn 65 and I, I, I don't see anything in my life that really compares, um, to those birth experiences in, in terms of, um, the exhilaration of the feeling of actually accomplishing a natural childbirth and doing it myself. And so I think that that changed my life radically in so many ways. I wanted to share that with other women because the stories that women tell for the most part, even today are, are more um, disempowering than empowering stories, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So I um, of course, was already a teacher at the time. And I wasn't, you know, I wanted to become a midwife. I just was so inspired and so amazed by the whole process. But of course, that requires a lot of training. And I didn't really want to retrain myself. So then I heard about being a doula. And I went to a doula conference that Dona put on and doulas probably mostly know about Dona still. Doulas of North America was called then but I think it's now doulas in doula or something international or national or I don't know maybe they changed their name Dona International okay so um (laughs) so uh I went to a conference and of course connected with so many wonderful uh doulas and just loved uh the whole experience of the conference and I thought I wanted to become a doula well I I had only home birth experience and I realized that most people have their babies in the hospital and I didn't really want to participate in hospital birth. And so I said, Oh, I don't know what I'm going to be able to do. And my, at the time I was a marketing consultant, independent marketing consultant, and I was helping small businesses grow their businesses basically. So, um, I thought, well, I'll just start gathering information and see what happens here. Maybe I can start a network of my own and help people. It seems there's a need for people to locate these types of people who are offering these wonderful services, and there is no easy way to do it. So I had computer experience, and um, I started building a database and um, uh, just gathered information. I have thousands of resources in my database today, of course, if you can imagine, and, um, started, started connecting families with services and, um, helping them to learn about what these services are. And through this work organically, I started gathering so much information myself that it would take a very long time to share that information with parents. So I started offering birth options consultations for couples. And um, I also developed a 14-point checklist for them so that they would know what the major decision-making points are during this process. Um, and rather than getting kind of, you know, 
deer in headlights response when somebody presents this to you, you would have already thought through these things and be prepared with um, your decisions for what to do when faced with um, something such as, uh, well, what about the first vaccination that comes uh, if you're in the hospital right then and there? Are you prepared to know and understand what what uh, making an informed decision around that would be? So um, most people are not. So I, I, I'm a planner, so I like to prepare, and I feel that you know many other people would like to prepare as well. Uh, I believe that um, thinking for yourself is always the best way to go rather than following the crowd. So um, finding out that uh, maybe you would make different decisions if you actually did a little bit of research on your own and uh, made an informed decision versus just doing what everybody else is doing. So how those things impact your health and well-being, especially the birth experience for the baby, is critically important to how you view life. So, um, I don't know, did I cover everything? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so it sounds like, um, you know, you started off uh, really empowered from the experience that you had home birthing your children. And then you, you thought about the midwifery path. You thought about the doula path. You ended up finding something that was more of a, a consultant. And what it, it almost sounds like you really were helping to create birth plans before birth plans might have been a coined term. And so from there, I know that you know you also do body work. How were you able to implement that into your services? Well, actually, the body work is basically a separate um, uh, part of the business. It's, um, you know, I work with anybody in the body work. And interestingly, I I typically would have maybe a couple of pregnant clients, but that was it. I guess the universe decided that I had enough pregnancy and and birth work in in my other side of the business. So um, (laughs) the, you know, seeing, seeing, working with the couples who would come to me, for a birth options consultation was definitely the most satisfying part of that whole process of uh, creating the network, running the network, and um, being able to work with the parents who wanted to make informed decisions. So I um, love those consultations, and I can do them actually on Skype for anybody anywhere, which is really fun. Um, and working with couples who are just so interested in um having the best start for themselves and their babies is the most satisfying thing as well. I just really enjoy it. It's a little bit different than what doulas do, although there is some overlap. And I believe people really need to hear these things over and over before it sinks in. The old marketing um, rule of thumb was seven times seven different ways before people really decided to take action on something. And I think there is some truth to that. Repetition is a good thing. So um, but I, I have the broad brush um, um, experience in the Chicago area, and since after doing it 20 years, I know more or less all the players there. So figuring out which midwife practices actually support natural childbirth in hospital is tricky for the average um uh, a couple, and also a lot of people want to uh, dip their toes into what having a home birth would be like, and what's involved in that, and how that works as well. So that's something that I often address. And often the dads are the ones that are that are the most leery about going with less intervention. 
Um, and interestingly enough, it's the moms that are having the babies, but the dads are more concerned about not taking advantage of medical intervention. Um, and, um, what that actually means, you know, so, um, I don't know. Does that answer your question? (laughs) Oh yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for that. So I'm really excited to, um, dive a little deeper into your story as a birth worker because it is rather unique. I think this is the first of its kind on our show where you don't specifically deal with, um, birth doula work or even postpartum work you're coming at it from more of that consultation and options um, angle and so I love that because I feel like a lot of our listeners are drawn to this line of work or drawn to birth work but that then becomes a matter of finding what is right for them and what's going to suit their lifestyle and where they're going to feel like they're being most effective and helpful um, when it comes to caring for our clients. And so something along this route may just be exactly what some of our listeners are hoping to hear more on. And so with that being said, what I'd like to do next is touch on our next big segment. And that's you sharing a time with us where you really struggled in your role as a birth worker. Um, And here on the show, we've heard a variety of different struggles. Sometimes this does come from the actual doula side and caring for clients. Sometimes it's more of the business side of struggling with being an entrepreneur and trying to find a sustainable business model. So whatever that struggle was like for you, I'd love for you to take us to that moment in time and walk us through what that experience was like from you and um, and what you were able to learn from it. Oh, gosh. Well, of course, over 20 years, you know, there are many times I just want to give up because so many women are not educating themselves and not willing to um, experience the pain of childbirth, basically. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's so much fear. Uh, There's so much fear in our culture. There's fear of everything. Um, Women are... um, Mothers, especially women, are women as mothers and children are not valued by our culture. So, you know, to um, face the pain of childbirth when the Western medicine model, the medical model is, uh, you don't, you shouldn't have to face the pain of childbirth. Why would you want to face the pain of childbirth? Um, we can, you know, deliver your baby for you versus, um, you need to be the one who is giving birth to this baby is a completely different model. A midwifery model versus a medical model is completely different. And yet within the midwifery field, um, and the doulas are included in this, um, you know, our belief system is that, you know, going the intervention route is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Everyone else does it and there doesn't seem to be a problem. Well, there, there are a lot of problems. And um, I believe that um, harm uh, is uh, often um, goes hand in hand with uh, the choices that are made um, and the way birth is handled in the typical hospital birth. Um, you're, you're probably intimately familiar with the cascade of interventions and the C-section rates mm-hmm. are something that is now pretty well known through the mainstream. And I think that's why a lot of people are um, turning toward home birth because they just don't want to have anything to do with what goes on in the hospital. And it's very hard uh, to find a practice that will um, support your needs versus the, the needs of a facility and the fears of lawsuits 
The fears of lawsuits, of course, have a negative impact on not only childbirth, but other, other fields of medicine as well. But I think um, when you're talking about mother-baby, um, the things that go on during childbirth, I find mostly very sad and horrifying. And so that's very discouraging for me at times because I think, well, am I really having a positive impact on people? Um, uh, the fear is so entrenched, it's really hard to get people to think out of the box of going to the hospital, having a doctor, standard Western medicine, medicine you know, medical model approach. Um, and so I have to remind myself to, you know, go back to, well, whoever I help is whoever I help, and it's whoever wants help and whoever wants to, to learn these things. And I know it's not going to be the majority of people. And yet, um, I see a big swing in favor of the home birth now. Um, home birth, interest in home birth is increasing and, um, um, and choosing midwives and understanding what midwives have to offer and working with doulas and how that, uh, you know, having labor support helps you to have the kind of birth that you deserve and want. Uh, are hugely important to me. And so whenever I would feel um, particularly discouraged, some mother would call me and say, oh, I'm so glad I found you. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, or some other positive thing would happen to buoy my spirits and, and get me to carry on. And so, you know, I've made it through 20 years of doing this type of work when basically, you know, it's um, uh, uh, going against mainstream thinking is no easy thing and I think um, the doulas who support natural childbirth and who want their and want to encourage their clients to consider uh, the risks versus the benefits and understand um, what they really are are helping their clients make informed decisions um, I know there, there's this big thing where the doulas are you know it's it's not their place to say well of course they don't make decisions for their clients but they do need and have, I feel, a responsibility to deliver information so that they can make informed decisions. And um, even in terms of, gosh, have you considered working with a midwife? Have you considered the differences between the medical model or the um, midwifery model for care? Is it possible to find that in our area? Have you talked to any of these people? Have you interviewed with different people? Um, just encouraging them to consider what uh, pain management and comfort measures techniques there are that are non-pharmacological to know and understand what they're getting into when they go to the hospital and how difficult it is to challenge the system when everyone is uh, going in a different direction than you are, uh, how hard it is to meet your goal of having a natural childbirth in that hospital. Um, that's what I think is most discouraging you know, or challenging for me um, is to, you know, try to get people to understand they have to educate themselves and spend the time and effort and energy doing so because their baby is important and their birth is important. And the importance of that is completely under, um, underappreciated and under uh, misunderstood in this culture. So, I don't know. I, I just keep going and hoping that, you know, the people that I've helped and the women that have had empowered births and um, have uh, experienced the the actual hormonal shifts without having uh, medication running through their systems, uh, 
can remember what a wonderful experience that is and to to appreciate the the beauty of nature and how well orchestrated it all is if it's not interfered with and derailed by um things that should not be happening so that's probably a lot <laughs> i'm guessing <laughs> no that that's okay that's great and i'm so thankful to you for sharing that with us um because it is it is your reality and that is your struggle and i'm sure that there are a lot of our listeners who are definitely resonating with that and i know that that is a very big struggle in the birth worker world is, you know, trying to separate um, our feelings of disappointment or our feelings or even, you know, kind of unattaching our ego from the, ch- the choices that our clients make. And that can be very hard. And it's like you said, I think the bigger struggle isn't that we have these agendas that we're trying to get met with our clients. And when that doesn't happen, it's frustrating. It's when we see that, like you said, the fear is so entrenched in our culture that we can tell that that's what's stopping our clients or that's what's holding them back or um, or preventing them from having these, these, what we know they have the power to have, these amazing experiences. That's where it really just kind of grinds your gears and does get to you. And so taking that time to reflect, taking that time to recognize that um, that's what's happening, but just also having faith in that power of persistence and and trying to take comfort in the fact that we're doing the best we can for our clients and meeting them where they're at is so important too. So I'm so glad we got to touch on that and thank you for sharing. Well, and it reminds me of Christine Northrup. I don't know if you're familiar with her. She's an MD who wrote uh, some amazing books, um, including Our Bodies and Ourselves. And she is... she. Um, said no matter how hard she tried to educate her clients about their choices about, um, you know, around the, the birth experience, if they believed that they could give birth without the assistance of anything medical intervening, they did. If they didn't, they didn't. And no matter what she did, it didn't matter. No matter what she told them, it didn't matter. If they believed in their heart of hearts, deep within their souls, that they were capable of giving birth, they would do amazing and incredible things. And she said that was the whole crux of the of her experience. And it kind of, um, uh, it was a very watershed moment for me to, to hear that from an OB. Um, right. And um, to look at that and go, oh my goodness, uh, our beliefs are what, um, you know, no matter what it's about, are what uh, guide and direct our choices in life. And if systemically we believe that we're not capable of giving birth without the aid of medical intervention, all the education in the world is not going to matter one iota. Well, so what changes people's minds? What what diverts them in their thinking? different things for different people and you never know what what you may say to someone that would encourage them to take a look at things in a different way so i would encourage um doulas or any birth workers who are feeling particularly discouraged to remember that um you lead by example more so than by what you say so um, people knowing that I've had home births myself, that they were amazing and wonderful experiences, um, that I, I am the kind of person who prefers to think for herself and make my decisions based on information that I've gathered to the best of my ability versus um, just going along with the crowd. 
then um, I think maybe people benefit more from that than anything that I could probably try to do in terms of educating them. Although, you know, it depends on um, how open the person is in the first place. So um, you can sense whether they're receptive or not receptive and and um, work from that basis. Like you said, um, you're, you're not... Um, you're not trying to work your agenda, but there is a fine line <laughs> between, uh, you know, wanting people to know and understand what what the ramifications of their choices is versus just saying, OK, that's fine, whatever. Knowing that they're going to be going <laughs> into a train wreck, basically. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm it, I couldn't be a doula because I realized that I would be standing in front of the person and yelling at the doctor or the nurse or whatever. And I knew that would never work. <laughs> um, and, and, and I, I'm just not the kind of person who can be, um, if I see something that I don't believe is right, be quietly uh, observing that and just encouraging the parents mm -hmm. to make their own decisions about things. So I knew that that would not be a role that I could do successfully. You you can't really create conflict in the birth um, room. As you well know, that is not going to benefit anybody. Where the education and, and has to happen is before you get to that to that moment, actually. Right. So um, once they've made their decisions and you go in with them, then you have to support whatever choices they make. That would be um, impossible for me. <laughs> and in fact, I went to plenty <laughs> of hospital births uh, with my shiatsu clients who begged me to go. And the last time I went, I said, uh, it was such a negative experience for me that I said, no, I'm not going anymore. And I've still had people ask me to go in with them. And I, I said, nope, you need to get a doula and I can get you a good one. So here's someone to talk to, you know. I just, uh, the, the more I went into that environment, the more I disliked it and, and the more committed I became to um, trying to educate people about what they're going to encounter when they get there. So because I, you know, because I am not, a direct care provider, I can tell people whatever I want to tell them. And it's, it's pretty blatant, um, and not sugar-coated whatsoever. So, um, I think it's more informative actually, and less biased, even though I tell them up front, I'm biased towards home birth or, you know, non-intervention oriented birth in the hospital, whether it is a, uh, freestanding birth center or a, um, ABC, depending on who's practicing in there and what the protocols are, you can get a nice experience there too. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you being so candid. And, you know, I know this is a little different or actually very different from a lot of the testimonies we've had. But again, I do feel that it's so important that we got to get your perspective on this because there may be listeners who are, again, just really resonating with everything you have to say and are now recognizing, hey, maybe my place, maybe my strengths are not in the birth room, but but doing something more along closer to the line of what you do. But um, but yeah, okay, well, thank you so much. So now we're going to move into the next segment, and that's really where we touch on the movie moment. And so we call it the movie moment, but more simply put, this is just a time in birth work where you realize this 
this is why I do what I do. I was meant to be right here, right now. If you could share a specific moment in time like that with us, we'd really appreciate it. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I've been doing this for so long. What you're asking me, what kind of stands out as being totally affirming? Yeah, uh, if you if you if you could just remember one moment that really, you know, stands out to you. It doesn't have to be the number one, but just any anyone in particular that kind of gives us an inside look on what well, that's like for you, then we'd love to hear that. What pops into my mind, I guess, is uh, I had the opportunity to be a, a shiatsu support person at a friend of mine's home birth. And um, so I was supposed to provide shiatsu for the mom in labor and also for the dad so that he could relax and calm down. And, um, interestingly, um, the, there was a, a, a long, um, uh, early stage of labor and she was constantly checking her iPhone and monitoring her, her contractions. And I said, you know what, you just need to put that away. <laughs> you just need to <laughs> Get in touch with your body and go with the rhythm of your body and find your own rhythm. Well, we decided it was time for her shiatsu session. So we went upstairs and I worked on her and I said, let's just get this thing moving. And it worked. I mean, it was just the most beautiful thing. So she went into full on labor and she was in labor, beautifully handling her contractions. And of course, there was a doula there and myself and some other support people and the dad and um, I offered to work on the dad, and he was too nervous to let me work on him, which was really pretty fun. <laughs> um, but he was cooking and getting the birth tub ready and all that good stuff. So um, she said, well, I think it's time for me to move upstairs where the tub is. And we said, okay, fine, that's good. She started going up the stairs, and... Um, uh, she realized she was going to be pushing very soon, which surprised the heck out of us because she basically had no transition period. And this is the first time I'd ever heard of the fact that there could be no transition. And I think it's fairly rare anyway, but she was practically on the stairs, going up the stairs, having the baby. And so the funny thing was, um, she gets up there and she starts taking a step toward the tub, which of course the dads worked very hard to get filled and all that stuff. Um, And she says, nope, that's not going to work. So she goes to the bed and she gets on all fours and she basically has the baby um, in uh, short, more or less short fashion. So, you know, when you have an experience like that, where you're there participating and you get to participate in um, uh, just a naturally, beautifully orchestrated by Mother Nature type of birth experience, it's just incredible. And the the fun thing about this particular birth experience, too, was she was um, one of my consultations and she picked a hospital-based midwife practice and every time I would see her for shiatsu, she would come and say, oh, the midwife told me this, she told me that, she told me this, she told me that. And I said, boy, you know, it just doesn't seem like the hospital birth, and she'd had a previous child in the hospital. The hospital birth thing just doesn't, doesn't seem like a fit for you for some reason. And she said, don't tell me that. 
And I said, well, yeah, I don't know. You might want to think about a home birth. And she just said, no, there's no way I'm going to have a home birth. So she um, went away and then she came back and she said, well, we're having a home birth. <laughs> and I said, really? <laughs> Whatever made you decide to do that? And she said, well, the more I thought about it, the more I realized that what I wanted was not going to be happening in a hospital. And I said, well, I'm glad you realized that. So that was one of those cases where um, I felt like I had a tremendously positive impact on this family. And it was so gratifying and so fun and, and so wonderful for me to be able to participate. Um, and I haven't really actually been to that many births, but I've been to a fair number of hospital births and, um, you know, um, maybe I, I this might have been my first whole home birth besides myself. So to be able to actually experience that just solidified everything I believed in and wanted other women to experience. Um, maybe not necessarily at home because not everybody has the, the nerve to do that, but at least in a birthing uh, facility that does truly support natural and is able to do that. Um, if, um, you know, the protocols are, are able to be relaxed enough to meet the needs of laboring women who do not necessarily color within the lines, as we say. So I would say that experience was, um, was, um, I don't know, I think, I think back of it on it very fondly and very wonderfully. And I was also kind of the doula for their older daughter. We finally decided that she needed to leave because mom wasn't, really able to relax. She was mothering the other child and, and the other child needed to be taken away by the grandparents. And she came back right away when her brother got born. So that worked out well for them. Um, I know sometimes it doesn't matter, but in this case, that seemed to be uh, something that was important for her to just feel like she could be free from having any responsibility and she could just focus on her labor. And just to watch her labor and just to be in, she was in bliss. She was in bliss to know that labor can be beautiful and can be experienced in such a way that it's just um, incredible. It's a lot of work, not necessarily, you know, unbearable pain like we tend to believe. Um, I just felt really um, and still feel really inspired by being allowed to participate in that experience. It was just absolutely wonderful. For me and in fact she was the designer for the book that I went on to write about my um, birth experiences and and the culmination of my life's work basically was put together in this work and she was the art director and the designer for the book so that was really fun wow oh that's awesome thank you so much for sharing that experience with us I loved getting to hear that <laughs> So, Joanne, this is the segment where we really just ask you a few questions to get to know how you work on an even deeper level. And what the one thing we'd like to start with is um, what is, or I'm sorry, what would you consider your biggest strength as a birth worker? Strength? Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. Um, stamina. <laughs> <laughs> Stick to it, you know? I mean, how many people mm -hmm. can stick to this for 20 years? I mean, it, it's something that didn't even exist. Birth networks were, were just kind of coming up, and there were a few around. But I would say we were one of the first. 
Um, um, so, you know, my creativity and sense of adventure, I was already an entrepreneur. I think being an entrepreneur is something that people are not really prepared for very well when they get into the doula uh, business. It is a business. Unless you want to have a hobby, that's a different thing. If you want to be a doula hobby person, that's fine. You only do a, a small number of births. You're not really trying to generate income from this. Um, I had to figure out how to make this, uh, as a single parent, I had to figure out how to make it actually economically viable. And um, my gosh, problem solver, um, I don't know strengths. I'm an, an amazing networker. I, ha I have so many different skills. Um, as a birth worker, I would say just being able to stay in there and hang in there and, and you know, un really unwaveringly stay with my values and my beliefs. And um, knowing also as an educator, because I was a teacher for 15 years, how important it is, how important the birth experience is. And, um, you know, just strong, you know, what I notice about women who really choose to have natural childbirth is strong belief in themselves, in, in nature, and their bodies and their babies. Uh, and so something maybe greater than themselves, um, some kind of um, faith in something outside themselves, no matter what that is, uh, whatever you call it, spiritual or religious, I think people have to have that in order to be independent thinkers and not just go along with what everyone else does and become manipulated by systems that are not really having your best interest in mind. Um, I think when, you know, when it was a very big thing when I first realized that the medical community wasn't necessarily as altruistic as you like to think they are. Now, that's not to say that, you know, there aren't many people that go into the field of medicine trying, trying to have the uh, intent of helping people. But unfortunately, the system that teaches the doctors how to attend births does not believe in a woman's body and its capability of doing what it needs to do. And then you get, you know, on top of that, the uh, fear of lawsuits. And it's just a bad setup. It's just a broken system. It doesn't work. And it's not working for people. And it's, it's uh, other than it's making lots of money for somebody, that too. I mean, you know, there is yeah. that <laughs> piece of it. But um just the belief, you know, that I, I am capable, I, you know, I'm a woman that I'm capable and that I'm strong and that I'm smart and that I can do whatever anyone else can do. Should I put my mind to it? I don't know how I got that way. Um, my father said that I always did everything the hard way that I never did anything the easy way. And I think that there's something to that, but I've always been an independent thinker and it got me into a lot of trouble. And <laughs> <laughs> in certain situations. In fact, when I was a, a child, I got into a lot of trouble for that. And it they were never able to um, eradicate that problem. It just stuck with me. So uh, I don't know if it's genetic or um, what, but I certainly, I feel like I have a wonderful life now because of those things. 
Um, and I've had experiences that many people wouldn't dare to try. Uh, and, um, I don't, I didn't think of myself as a particularly brave or courageous person, but, um, somebody said to me, a friend of mine one time said, boy, you're a risk taker, aren't you? And I said, you know, I never really thought of myself in that light, but, um, there must be some truth to that because I've made a lot of choices in life that, um, you know, didn't really follow the mainstream. So, um, and my main thing has always been to be of service to others. And I really value that highly. So this is uh, what my life has always been about. Whether I was teaching or working with small businesses, I've always been working with people, encouraging them to empower themselves in whatever they do and to have uh, strong values and beliefs and and speak for themselves and and um, value themselves because um, I don't know. Human life is a precious gift, and I think we undervalue that sometimes. It gets lost in the quest for um, you know material success. So I arranged my life so that I could uh, reduce my overhead and have a lifestyle that would afford me the, the luxury of doing the work that I wanted to do, even though I wasn't going to be making lots and lots of money. So I, I made that choice uh, at some point in my life because I could see that the things that would bring me the greatest joy would not necessarily bring me the greatest um, financial reward. So that was just something I decided. And I'm happy that I did. That's great. Um, alternatively, what would you say is your biggest weakness as a birth worker? Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Probably giving too much. Um, it took me a long time to figure out what self-care was. Self-care was not even a part of my vocabulary until I was probably about 48 years old. And I was going into menopause. And I think that was part of the reason why I was attracted to the shiatsu, which is when I started training, by the way. Um, I, didn't, I was one of the oldest people in the shiatsu program. And I didn't think I'd be able to survive it, frankly, because it's, it's physically demanding to some degree. Um, but I've improved my health and well-being so much. I feel better now than I did when I was, well, for sure, when I was going through menopause because I went into menopause very depleted, unfortunately, because I did not take care of myself well enough. Um, and I, I have regrets about that. But I can also use that personal experience to help people understand what it is to go through menopause and how wonderful a, a birth it is to yourself if you allow yourself to experience and embrace that um, labor and delivery of yourself is quite amazing. So, um, oh. <laughs> sorry, Joe, and I'm gonna I'm gonna just keep us trucking along because I'm afraid we're okay, going fine. past our time. But um, let's see, what is one thing that has you inspired right now? Oh gosh, well, my I don't know. Um, my biggest inspiration, I think, is, um, again, some of my um, self-care practices. I'm a Qigong practitioner, mm -hmm. and I also um, uh, am a meditator. So those things, I think, are the foundation of everything else I do. And um, actually, um, I also 
uh, encourage people when they're looking for um, uh, Asian medicine practitioner to ask them what kind of self practices they have for, for practices for self development they have in their own lives because I think the people who are developing themselves um, spiritually, um, physically, and mentally are also probably going to be um, the best uh, practitioners that you can find too. I so, love that question. I think that's such a great thing to pose, and I've never thought about asking that myself. But, but that makes so much sense. So that's well, that's it's such kind a great of like you, you go to a midwife. You really want to know how if they've given birth themselves and what their birth choices were. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that might tell you a lot about yeah. their belief systems, um, and or a doula. You know, have you had children? How? What? What did you choose to do with your own children? That's kind of telling. Mm-hmm. So depends on you know just finding the best match for you it depends on what your goals are but um you know it's uh i think it's important to continually develop yourself um in all realms and it also enriches your life in ways that you couldn't even imagine awesome thank you what is one personal habit that you feel keeps you on your a game well we kind of just covered that, didn't we? Yeah, I would guess so. I suppose it'd be those two self-care practices. I actually, you know, you want? do you want me to give you more details about my self-care? Um, sure, if you want to give us maybe just a, a quick overview. Okay. Well, because, because um, I, of course, uh, don't have children to take care of anymore, I have much more time on my hands. So my morning routine is to get up and meditate for 30 minutes. And then I do either my Qigong practice, which I can't do every day, um, or every other day I do uh, yoga, stretching, um, makaho uh, exercises. Um, um, I do uh, yoga, somewhat, little bit of yoga. I can't do too much because it conflicts with the Qigong. And I do... um, um, hand weights. I still believe in the hand weights. Um, and I, I ride my bike and I walk almost every single day, a significant amount of time. And I also do uh, an evening meditation. I'm not as strict with that as I am with the morning one. The morning one is easier. I just get up and do it. It's not even a question and it starts my day off really great. Um, I also have a number of practitioners that support and take care of me as well. So um, I I have a pretty significant self-care program now. That's awesome. And um, moving forward, what is one internet resource that you would swear by? Mm. Well, the one resource that I swear by is Ina Mae Gaskin. (laughs) She's my, my goddess. In terms of birth, and when I was having babies, I the Bible for me was spiritual midwifery, and now I have Ina May's Guide to Childbirth and Birth Matters, and I just um, she's my hero uh, in every which way. Uh, I think uh, I've heard her speak uh, many times, and she's funny, and she's honest, and she's. Um, sticks with what she believes and and um I just think of her as an amazing woman and a and a, a game changer you know she's had so much influence even on uh the medical model um I can't even imagine how she did that but 
um, she actually attended her first birth in Evanston, Illinois, which is, you know, where I lived previous. And she was just there. That's how she started her, her midwifery hmm. practice. Wow, that's awesome. Well, I have a feeling that <laughs> that bus, question... In a bus parked on the campus because they were going around the country, a bunch of hippies were going around the country trying to figure out who they wanted to be and where they wanted to be before they landed in Tennessee. And they were having babies. <laughs> so, and I visited the farm in Tennessee. It was when, when it was at its height, they used to take babies from people who would you know, get pregnant and couldn't take care of their babies at the time, they said, ah, bring your baby to us. And when you're ready to get your baby back, you can have it. Well, you can imagine what happened. They got overrun with babies. <laughs> so they had to stop doing that. But it was a wonderful idea at the time. And um, there were lots of people living there. It was more or less a commune. And, uh, you know, her experience and all the, the stats that they took from those births really proved uh, in a way that people like to have proof um, that birth is what it is and it happens beautifully without interruption most of the time. Mm -hmm. So that's me. I'm, and, you know, there is, of course, a website on the farm in Tennessee and Ina Madgask, and you can look her up and learn all about her if you haven't heard about her yet. Awesome. Well, I have a feeling that question is going to lead right into this one. Uh, what one book would you recommend to the Dearest Doula community and why? Well, am I allowed to shamelessly promote my own book? Oh, absolutely. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, in December, I published my, uh, self-published my uh, book called Honoring Birth, The Five Phases of the Childbearing Year. And we um, followed five different couples, one in each phase, and the five phases, um, and took pictures of them. And so the majority of the book is actually, uh, you know, full color photos of people in the conception, pregnancy, birth, bonding and breastfeeding and early parenting phases. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, sprinkle in there some text um, about birth options and how to make decisions about these um, particular phases of your life. And, and Mostly encourage people to relax, enjoy, and embrace uh, the natural flow and rhythms of these experiences and and not get too anxious or worried or fearful and um, really experience the beauty of birth and babies. Beautiful. Awesome. And where can our listeners go to get access to that book? Actually, it's only available on my website, joannelindberg.com or birthlink.com. And you can order it um, from uh, some wonderful people out in Minnesota. They'll ship it out to you and you don't have to pay any tax, I guess, because I don't know, it's <laughs> internet or something. Um, there's a small fee for, for uh, ordering it, but it's only $18.95. And um, I think, uh, people will really enjoy and, uh, appreciate the book. Um, it's a, it's a, a great way to inspire your clients and, or yourself to enjoy the process. Cool. Um, what is one item other than yourself that you would consider your must have as a birth worker? Other than myself, oh gosh, well, I'm a book freak, <laughs> so <laughs> uh, 
I read and I have tons of books. So I would say books are probably my best resources. Um, even though I do use the internet, I find it, uh, I don't know, less satisfying in many ways. Um, there are, of course, advantages to having the internet, but I still feel like books just offer an experience that you can't get online. Um, and you can, you can, you know, digest and go back, um, at your own pace and, um, always have those uh, books handy as a reference. So I'm still a book person, might be old <laughs> school, but, um, no some problem. of my books I've had for a long time and I still love them dearly. So. Well, that sounds great. Uh, we'll make sure to put a link to the Dearest Stula page. We have a resources page that has a whole slew of birth and childbirth and pregnancy books that um, we'll make sure to link to that way. If our listeners haven't already, they can make sure to check some of those out. Oh, that's so fabulous. Well, I'm <laughs> I'm refusing to allow the, the big um, distributors to take all my money. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going against, once again, the grain of things. And and self-promoting, self-publishing, and self-selling my book, so um, we can try to recoup some of the costs. If you have, if you can imagine, the cost of doing a book such as this um, it was very high, and um, so I appreciate anyone who's willing to help us try to recoup some of that cost. Cool. Oh, great. All right. So this is the three hundred dollar question. Let's oh. say you <laughs> let's say you woke up tomorrow in a completely new town. Your food and shelter are taken care of and you have $300. What steps would you take in the next 10 days to build your business? <laughs> Did I have a website yet? Uh no. <laughs> I think you have to have a web presence. That's a pretty much a given. Um you need to have some kind of, uh, you know, something. I know some people just even use a Facebook page for their website. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure how effective that is, but um, I think you, you need to have a web presence. I don't think you could probably get one for $300 unless you have a cousin who, who you know <laughs> has those skills. The first website for Birthlink was donated by a young woman who believed in what we did so much that she wanted to give all of all of the, you know, the building of the website and also the photographs that are still on there today were taken by her and donated freely by her. Mm. So Birthlink is really a, um, a labor of love by many, many people over the years, giving of themselves and, and helping to create and sustain that. So it's really a pretty amazing resource. Um, $300, wow. Well, you probably have to have food, water, <laughs> A tent. Oh well, your your food and shelter are taken care of. Okay, good. You're in a completely new town, and you have the three hundred dollars. Ah, wow! For the business to start right. the business, mm -hmm. start making some more money. Get out there and get clients. <laughs> <laughs> Go get your birth clients. Start networking. Talk to people. Let them know you're there. You know, I, I still believe in networking. Again, that's an old school thing, but I believe getting out and meeting people face to face is satisfying, gratifying, and and is effective. Still effective for service businesses. So, get out there and meet people um, 
who might be able to refer to you or you could refer to them or would know, you know, where pregnant women are going and what they're doing. Awesome. Very well said. Now, whether it comes to business building, attracting clients, or marketing your brand, what are some specific strategies that you've implemented that you really feel have helped to elevate your business? Well, again, back to the website. If you have a website that is professionally done and is beautiful and you present yourself professionally, in, in all the things that you do, uh, whether it's, you know, old fashioned collaterals or um, the website, I think you, your first impression is what um, people, you know, walk away with. So um, it's very important to uh, to uh, find somebody who's capable of doing that for you. And I know there's a lot of ways to get websites these days. And I, I don't know. Um, it's just... Uh, People are usually amazed that Birthlink is just basically me and a few people helping. It looks a lot bigger than it really is, and it's it's um, fairly impressive. So, um, you know, spending the extra money to make that happen, I think, is important. And so, if you're even if you're going to have a small site, make sure that your person knows and understands the technology, the marketing the design, it's got to all be there for it to be as effective as it possibly can be. Awesome. Thank you for that. And so lastly, we'd just like to have you wrap up our episode today by sharing a parting piece of guidance for all those listeners, a little bit more about the business and services that you offer and the best way to connect with you. And then we'll say goodbye. Well, um, I just want to encourage people to, um, honor themselves first and be sure that they're meeting their wants and needs. And then before they're, you know, taking care of others, because as caregivers, and this is a caregiving field, you can very easily burn yourself out. So I would encourage people to um, be sure that their self care is uh, helping them stay balanced and healthy and well and happy and then um, taking care of others and helping them do the same for themselves as well. I think that's really important for women, especially that we value ourselves and that we know that our needs and wants matter and that they count. So um, there's that. And I would say the best way to get in touch with me is uh, the joannelindberg.com website or the birthlink.com um, website. There you can see, you know, you can get our phone number and, and um, my email is directly connected to those sites. So it's very easy to get a hold of me, actually. Awesome. Well, the Dearest Stooler community will be able to find links to everything of value that you mentioned on today's show, including all the books, resources, and best ways to connect with you by going to dearestdoula.com, clicking on the podcast button, and finding this show notes page in the archives, or by simply typing in Joanne or Joanne Lindbergh, which is spelled L-I-N-D-B-E-R-G, in the search bar to have this show notes page pop right up. And I'm sorry, Joanne is also spelled J-O-A-N-N-E. 
So guys, thank you, or Joanne, thank you so much for coming on today. We really and truly value you coming in and giving us um, an insight into what your birth worker journey was like. And thanks to your interview, we're now all one step closer to being connected, educated, and empowered. And we hope you have a great day. Wonderful. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I enjoyed it. Thank you.